The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Let's pray for her and just that we will receive the word of God as we hear it preached. Father, and we... We come to you just as kids, your kids, those of us who've just put our faith in Jesus and been adopted into your family. Uh, and we want to learn just what it means to live in, in your family and the safety and the care that you provide um, and that ter- eternal perspective of Jesus going to prepare a place for us, um, an eternal home. I pray that as Malia goes to Cambodia, uh, we just were praying this earlier, that she won't think of herself first and foremost as the leader of the trip, but just as, as one who is your child, led by you. It's, that Psalm 23 will ring through her head, that the Lord is my shepherd. I don't, have, I don't, I don't want because he, he will lead me. Yeah, that she'll feel so led by you and that you will do things beyond what she expects because you're just leading her and present with her. You feel that the presence of Christ will be felt, found uniquely um, where they step foot in Cambodia. And then also just see how you've been working there already. Um, and they'll have the discernment to join that. Father, I pray that as we hear your word hear this song and Psalm 132 that we will catch on to the melody and the truth of it and we'll feel like we can just participate immediately we can walk in obedience to your word and pray this in Jesus name Amen Amen in each one of us is an inherent longing to be home a place of peace and security. Home is the place we finally belong. But the road back home is often long and dangerous. The people of God would sing these psalms of ascent as they traveled towards Jerusalem to worship God. And now we learn these songs as we travel towards the new Jerusalem. We are still on our way home. We're longing for a better country, a heavenly one. We believe that home is finally found only with God. He's invited us to come, and these are songs for the journey. We are close to being done with our Psalms of Ascent series. We have two more after this one, and then we will be heading into a sermon series on the armor of God in Ephesians 5. Um, so something to look forward to as we, as we still... Think of these songs, these songs for the journey. Now, the Psalms of Ascent, as many of you know, if you've been here, they were these songs that that formed a hymnal of sorts that as people came from all over Israel or even beyond Israel and the surrounding nations who were worshipers of God, they they would come to Jerusalem multiple times a year 
And these were songs they would sing as they came and preparing their hearts, preparing their minds for meeting with God, worshiping him with the rest of the people who had come. Now, uh, this was a journey, right? A journey, not just on foot, but of heart in preparation. And, and today I, I wanted to draw our attention to the, the preparation for the journey and how that impacts the journey itself. Um, I want to use that by giving you the context of car camping versus backpacking. I realize I could make some enemies here, so I just want to let you know I'm okay with that. (laughs) To backpack requires you being meticulous in your packing. Sometimes when I backpack, I literally lie out everything on the floor so I know if anything is doubled up or I just don't need it for the length of time I'm given, and, and to minimize the weight, because I'm going to be carrying all that on my back. Now, if you're, backpack, if you're car camping, it almost becomes a joke when you talk about what you should bring or not bring, right? Someone's like, hey, should I bring those old cast iron pants? And you're like, of course, bring them, you know? And, and you just like, everything you need, you're literally, it's like totes. And you think you're like being strategic to pack well because it's in totes. And you're like, oh yeah, throw in, throw in the old barbecue, you know? It's like everything you throw in because in car camping you essentially are wanting to have the experience you have at home. Just tell people about it. And so, <laughs> so you get there and everything you do, you're like, oh, this cuisine reminds me of when I was in France because literally you've re- recreated the experience, right? Because you were able to. Now, when you're backpacking, you're like, this sort of reminds me of bacon. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm really glad that I didn't bring real bacon because it weighs more. And this is, this is 0.01 ounces lighter. And so I am, I'm literally on the trail just suffering. But I'm getting the nutrition that I need, Okay. It's, it's very different, just the way you plan for the journey, what you carry with you, really the quality of the entire journey depends upon that, right? Um, now, now think of this in relationship to the journey we're talking about here, the journey on our way to Jerusalem. As they went, they, they not only were thinking about what they were carrying with them because they were camping along the way, but, but they, were, they were looking at their hearts and their minds and they were thinking, what are those things in me that I'm carrying? Am I ready to meet with God because what I'm bringing with me in my heart and my mind? And so the, the big idea is that what we carry in life reflects on the quality of our relationship with God. What we carry in our life reflects on the quality of our relationship with God. And, and you see that in this, in this psalm that we're getting into. That, um, and I'll just read the first verse and I'll explain it and then we'll, we'll go on. Psalm 132, uh, verse 1 says, Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. And remember David and all the things he denied himself, denying himself so he could, and then we're going to see what his so he could is, but I want you to think of just as you enter into this, what you are carrying in your life and how it reflects upon the quality of your relationship with God. Some of us are, are burdened, tired, 
by things we are carrying in our minds and our hearts, um, we talk about going home, our new Jerusalem, our heavenly home, but we find with what we're carrying, our attachments maybe really are here, right? As we, as we try to consider the promises of God and what they mean for us, we find there are things in our head and our heart that just crowd that out. We find that we can't even spend a minute in silence meditating upon the word of God because just things are there. It's what you're carrying with you, and it is reflecting upon the quality of your relationship with God because you're just carrying, it, just, it almost attacks you, right? You're like, God, I just want, I want to meditate on your word, but all of a sudden you're just thinking about that thing at work, or, you're, you know, or your, your heart is just like so wrapped up in something else. You can't even think of God and worship him anymore. And so we start with this, Lord remembered David and of his self-denial. And the reason he denied himself was this. It says, he swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. So what, what David's, we're going to just stick there for a second. Uh, So what David is saying is he has denied himself because he has made a commitment. He's made a commitment to God because David is, this is what the Bible tells us, David is a man after the heart of God. That means what David wants to wants to come out of him. What everyone, he wants everyone to know about him is that he worships God. That is his passion. That is his commitment. And so he has denied himself. The result of this is this. Listen, this is amazing. Because he's made these commitments, he says, I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. What he's saying is like, I'm so passionate about this thing, it keeps me awake at night. Now, I think for some of us, probably goal number one is not to lose sleep at night, right? For a lot of us, we're like, if we lose sleep at night, we're just a mess. Well, David's going, I am so passionate about making a place that all people can come to to also worship God because his heart is to worship God and he just wants to make it easier. He doesn't want them to have to travel around where the tabernacle is. or whatever. He just goes, I want everyone to be able to come and worship God together. And he's so passionate about that that he literally is losing sleep strategizing about it because he's made this commitment to God. He would rather go without something than that God would go without his glory. Is that, is that, are you losing sleep? Or do you remember a time when you lost sleep? A time when you were so passionate about someone in your family knowing Jesus or, or the people around you being able to have nothing in their way to worship God that you were just passionate about it. And that's, that's exactly where David is. The reason for his self-denial is that he worshiped God so much that he made a commitment that other people can also do that in the house of the Lord. And the result of that self-denial was he was so passionate about it that it affected him. It affected his whole life. And you, you go to this next verses, and, and I love this because it's literally saying like, and we all know about it. 
It's like, we heard about an effort though. We came upon it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to the dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool saying, arise Lord, come to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. They were like, when David was king, we heard about it everywhere. He was constantly going, come, let's, let's think about God. Let's worship God. Let's do it together. Because that, that was his passion and his commitment Now look at this. In verse 10, though, it says, For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. See, David was a man after the heart of God. He had made a commitment to follow him, but those who followed him, those who followed after him, were not kings with the same heart. I want you to look at 1 Kings 15 here really quick with me. And and you, you get to see the result of it. This is in the 8th. 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, Abijah became king of Judah and he reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother's name was Makkah, daughter of Abishalom. That, do you see that? I, all those names. I, I'm proud of myself. I just, yeah. It's hard enough to read out loud, but then you have to throw in things like Makkah and Abishalom. <laughs> okay, this is where it gets serious. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his forefather had been. And so, so all the psalmist can do is they're going back and they're, they're making these songs that they're singing on the way back. They're going, God, we haven't walked in that way. We see David's self-denial, but but we haven't practiced that same self-denial. Instead of, when David saw something was ultimately valuable, which was God being worshipped, we have considered everything else more valuable. So God, remember David, remember his self-denial. And as we go back uh, to the, the next uh, slide, he says here, for the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. Because we haven't been people who have been faithful like him. So the question is, since we haven't been that way, is it game over? Is it done? Is there any chance anymore because we have not walked in that way? What we learn here is this, as we go on, that God himself has made a commitment to his people and God himself will fulfill it. And this is the beautiful promise as we go on to verse 14. Hit the next slide, Sean. Thanks. Uh, this is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. This is amazing. And what we see in God, one thing is this, we see in him a commitment, God swearing to the people that he himself will be there for them and with them. And all the way down here, and this is, there's so much in this, but I I want you to see here at the very end in 16 where it says, I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. And then 17, here I'll make a horn grow for David, set a lamp for my anointed one. And literally, What's happening here is what we're seeing is God saying, 
I will fulfill, you were not able to fulfill your commitment to me, but I will fulfill my commitment to you in setting an anointed one. And, and in the New Testament, the word we get for Messiah is literally anointed one or chosen one. And so what they could never have imagined when they read, I will clothe her priest with salvation and could never have expected what it meant for us to be the priesthood of all believers, right? And her faithful people singing for joy because the anointed one had come, Jesus, to once and for all fulfill the promises of God. And I love the verse in the New Testament which says, in in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And so we, we get that in him, this yes, amen, all these things we've hoped for finally find their completion in Jesus. And so what we know and oftentimes just camp on is that what we need to do is simply put our faith in him because he has fulfilled his commitment where we could not fulfill our commitment. So how do we respond And that is one of the ways is we respond in faith to him, knowing that we are sinless because we've received forgiveness in him. Well, let's let's go all the way back to the beginning of this in in, uh, verse one where it says, Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. Remember David and all his self-denial. And I think sometimes we look at the very end and we understand that that. We simply need to put our faith in him. But, I should say and, and there is a way we participate in that life by following in the steps of David, his heart after God, and his self-denial. I think a lot of us imagine that simply saying, God, I believe in you is enough. And then we, are, we wonder so much, why am I not experiencing the freedom that you say you'll bring? Why is it that I feel like, I'm, I'm, like I stop and, and my mind's still so confused? And the reason is, is because Jesus hasn't just invited us into a life of faith, but he's also invited us into a life of self-denial, which we see in Matthew 16, listen to this. It is so challenging, it's so beautiful. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. And I think a lot of us go, what? What do you mean he's going to reward each person for what they've done? I thought, I thought you're just going to reward us because we've said we've put our faith in Jesus. And, and God's going, yes, and... I'm inviting you to walk in obedience and self-denial. And if you see this in verse 24, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What does that mean? How is there more crosses than the cross of Jesus? That's what it's saying here. There's more crosses than the cross of Jesus because you each have been given a cross also. The cross of Jesus for us means salvation and forgiveness of sins. Your cross means participation in his completed work. And let me give you, okay, I know this is, we're 
All of us look very grim, very serious right now. So I'm going to give you a very funny example to help draw you out of that, okay? Think of all the movies that you've watched that, that the hero at one point finds himself in a room. Think of like National Treasure, Indiana Jones. And you know, the whole time they've been looking for like the lost treasures of Babylon or whatever it is. And, and they finally find themselves in this room and it's just packed with gold everywhere. Goblets and diamonds, just treasure untold. And you're like, how is it always underneath Mount Rushmore? You know, we didn't know. We, always, we didn't know. And, but there they are, you know? And, and you have the hero. You have the girl. Guys, I know this is also stereotypical, but we all know what I'm talking about. And then you have the, the bad guy, Right? And, and you see, the treasure's been buried there, but it won't last for long. Because soon, this deluge of water is going to come and just rip through the place. Or fire. It, it's always one or the other. And, you know, and so what happens is the hero is like, we got to go. You know, he's like grabbing the girl. And he's like, we're going. And, you know, and, and then what is the bad guy doing? Yes! He has a bag and he's like, no, I need the treasure. No, he's like, I need the goblets. He's like, this diamond is so big. Right? And, and, and he's so distracted. And the reason why this is in all these movies, you know why it's in all these movies? Because all of us are like, I don't know what I'd do. Like, that's a lot of freaking gold. Like, I, I could buy a lot, you know, like... I wouldn't have to ever work again. <laughs> you know? And, and so in that moment as we're watching it, it's like this contrast is so clear and you're like, yeah, your life's with love's worth more. Like she'll be with you, you know? And, but in that moment, it's like what it requires is the denial of these things that appear so shiny and good. And in that context, it seems so clear in the context of our lives, how often are we, are we car camping instead of backpacking? Okay, I know it doesn't apply to all of us, but you know, we, we just, we're everything. We think, I can, I can have it all. I can pack it all. And then we wonder, why am I weighed down? Why am I tired? Why am I not successful on the journey? Why am I not experiencing these freedoms that are available to me? It's because you've packed your heart. You've packed your mind with all these like, worldly experiences, these things that, that literally Jesus says, come, follow me, and I'll show you what it looks like. But it will require self-denial. It will require a cross. And your cross will be that those things that you want to claim as life itself, that needs to die so you can live with Jesus. And that's exactly what it's saying here. Forever wants to save their life will lose it. If you're that person that's like, oh, I need everything. I'm not going to say no to anything. And, and are hard to do that. I know this is kind of funny, but at the same time, like, what is it that you are packing your life full of? And so you could not, no one could save you. Like, man, they're a person who, more than anything, is after the heart of God. Or are you after other things more? How are you packing for this journey of life? What are you carrying? And does it show 
what does it show the quality of your relationship with God being? Does it show the, the quality of it being that you treasure him more than anything? Or that you treasure something else more than anything? Are you so passionate about him that it's giving you sleepless nights and you want others to worship him? Or are you just sleeping soundly and you've kind of lost the passion? This is ultimately what this, this song invites us to as we learn to sing it with the psalmist. As we are on a journey, we are going home. It allows us to think, what's in my heart? What's in my mind? And does it ultimately point to my treasure being with Jesus, being Jesus, or something else? Pray with me. Father, I pray that you will just send your spirit in a special way to help us see maybe things we are carrying that we don't need to, things we prioritize that keep us more distracted from your mission and sharing life with you. Help us not just be people who always think in the moment and temporary. I pray that we will so understand and consider your commitment to us and what it cost Jesus and what we're invited to that that we will passionately follow. God, if it means for some of us sleepless nights, like even tonight going, God, I just don't think about you anymore. I just don't love you anymore. God, if that is the case of any of our hearts, I pray, I pray, God, that you you will bring by your spirit just conviction of that because you're not stealing our joy, you're giving us joy. You are wanting to clothe us with your salvation. You're wanting to bring us your joy. That's what we have in your commitment to us, and yet we get so distracted. So God, remind us of your truth, impress it upon our hearts by your spirit, and help us walk in your way with your light burden. Because we've been willing to just shed the rest. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.